Am I out of stock music? Well, today, as part of celebrating the start two years ago of Make Music Income, this very channel, we will define one of the core elements of this channel. In fact, in my anniversary video I just released this week, it's called Eight Ways to Make Music Income, a little turn on the six ways to make music income video that I did to start this very channel. I kind of alluded to this fact that I was wanting to talk about changing a term. Now, we've been calling this thing called stock music licensing that very term for a reason. It was called that before we started talking about it. Um, but Steve and I have been debating for literally years if we should call it stock music licensing. Should it, it, when we started our channels, when I started my channel, hot uh, stock music was a hot topic. In fact, I owe much of the success of this channel to friends and other YouTubers like Daniel Carrizales and of course, Mr. Stevie B. And both of these channels talk quite a lot about stock music or non-exclusive stock music licensing. But it became known as stock music, and it is, and we'll talk about that in today's show. That's the topic, kind of, I want to talk about the switchover, uh, this non-exclusive cousin to the exclusive sync licensing and production music world for film and television. So. I've decided, and when I was making that last video, you might have seen it in there, that it's kind of time for a name change for one of the tenets of this channel, one of the pillars of this channel. Stock music is not a bad name for what it is, and we'll talk about that, but the type of music that we, we talk about, the type of libraries that we talk about that have to do with stock music, um, the music that we use there can be used for so many other things. It feels like calling it all stock music is just a bad idea. Uh, Steve and I have felt like this for years. And so it's time we just rename it. So you are here for that historic renaming. Congratulations. And also for this historic new intro. What you think about that? Well, welcome to the Make Music Income Podcast, episode number 77. Today, we're going to be talking about introducing non-exclusive music licensing and non-exclusive music libraries. And you're like, wait a minute, what are you talking about reintroducing? You've been talking about this for years and everybody's been talking about this. And yes, we have. But I think it's time, and this is a really controversial kind of topic because people want to know about stock music libraries. It's it's this video because I'm talking about non-exclusive videos because I talked about stock music and all that kind of stuff. It will get a lot of views and that's fine and, and I hope it does. But I want to do some very special things today. We've got new elements and I have a surprise for you people out there. Who are you calling you people? But yes, you people out there. And uh, I just want to say thank you to the people who are joining me today. So far, 
full of uh, people here in the chat. Signature music in the house. Arco, Arco asked, did I have an 11-second spoiler of this video? Yes. Uh, you know what, folks? One wrong button and your whole stream can go crazy. Jonathan Carlisle says, tech problems, I believe. Klingons on Eric's starboard bow. Don't start me on Star Trek. I just watched Star Trek Strange New Worlds last night. What a great show that show is. Uh, yeah, I'm fighting with um, uh, uh, with YouTube again. Well, actually, I wasn't fighting with YouTube so much as fighting uh, pressing the wrong button in StreamYard. I don't know if you know this, but I do use StreamYard and am very happy to be powered by StreamYard. They do a great job, and uh, I could not do this show with all of these uh, cute little things that come up here and all the ways it lets me do the show. And one of the ways it lets me do the show is to record a very high-res version of this no matter what happens with my signal. So if the internet goes out, we had some internet problems last week, I still get a recorded locally version that is pristine, perfect. And so I can take that and make shorts with and do all the different things and make the podcast audio and everything with. So I had to make sure I checked the right thing and I panicked and <laughs> I hit the wrong button. And so here we are 15 minutes later and I don't even know if anybody cares about that. But anyway, uh, Arco says, happy second anniversary of the channel. That's what this is. This is the second anniversary. Two years ago this week, I started the Make Music Income channel. And so, so excited. Uh, Arco uh, and Linda are talking here. Linda, good to see you here today. So welcome to the Make Music Income podcast, where we talk about a plethora. I like that word a plethora of ways to make music income, including but certainly not limited to sync licensing and production music for TV and films and ads. We talk about non-exclusive music licensing for YouTube, beat sales, gaming music, and more. Artist incomes like streaming sales, merch, and other things you should be making if you're an artist. Online channel incomes, music publishing and royalties, and music production for clients and so much more. Well, my name is Eric Copeland, and I am a music producer, a composer, a teacher. I've been a songwriter, a background singer, a music consultant, a music teacher, blah, blah, blah. I've been a lot of things. Quasi record label, a music marketer. I've done so many, so many things. Still doing so many things. And now a podcaster and a YouTuber. And geez, isn't that enough? That's way too much. So, I have made all of this income, I've done all of these jobs without ever really being employed by a, uh, a major record company or a major music publisher. I've done it all on my own and I'm here to tell you that you can do that too. I've supported my family for 22 years or more and made music income from this kind of stuff for over 40 years. I haven't ever been signed to a label or a publishing deal. Well, that's not true. I am now signed to publishing deals uh, through uh, sync licensing and, and non-exclusive licensing as well. But uh, you might be like this too. Maybe you are watching or listening to this podcast and you are not someone who, uh, who is able to make a living in this. Well, you can. And that's what this whole podcast and what this whole channel is about. And so on today's show, we are going to talk about non-exclusive music licensing income uh, or just non-exclusive income, basically. 
And guess what? Mainly everything is non-exclusive. Until you sign a deal, that makes it exclusive. But So along the way, I'll be answering your questions and I'll be just letting you co-host. So here we go, moving on here. Let's get to my week, which has been mainly focusing on this channel, mainly focusing on my teaching job and mainly focusing on clients. I have many music ideas in my head. I have many music ideas to do. I did upload some things to Motion Array and, and working on that and got some new things in some of the libraries, but it's been somewhat of a non-music making week. I've had the second anniversary of this channel. I've had uh, the new video that I put out called Eight Ways to Make Music Again, which Folks, now that I'm used to doing these lives and using this content as my weekly content, editing a, a video like Eight Ways to Make Music Income, that thing is a monster. And uh, I use so many uh, video clips and pictures and examples and it was so edited. Boy, it took me days to edit that thing. So I hope you like it. But I, I think it's one of those videos that I had to do to kind of reintroduce this channel. And so I'm doing that across all social medias and just trying to kind of celebrate the two-year anniversary. Uh, I also started this week with my teaching job uh, in teaching the young minds of tomorrow, music theory. And that's always an interesting mind shift where you have to start teaching music theory. That's a different kind of job. So had to do that. And, uh, and we're in the midst of that and their minds are melting as we speak, trying to learn music theory. And that's one thing that we are doing. Um, a lot of client work this week and trying to help clients do different things. All the different things that I'm doing for clients from consulting to helping them with the recordings to all sorts of stuff. And then of course, uh, and, and this includes consults, this includes lots of things. I've had a lot of interesting conversations with new guests that are getting ready to come on this show. So you're gonna get some really interesting new uh, information uh, very soon with some special guests I think you're really gonna like. And then finally, I have been trying to wrap up the mastermind and also do some behind the scenes shooting here uh, of what's going on at my job and what's going on with this channel and what's going on with stuff. And we'll talk about the mastermind and the uh, behind the scenes thing here in just a little bit. But first, it's time to get to something that we do every week here on the channel, and that is the news. That's right, the news for Friday, July 21st, and today some sad news. Just saw this come across the wire today, Tony Bennett passed away at age 96, the legendary singer. Tony Bennett was uh, a, a complete icon in the music business from being kind of an older type of guy. He's one of those guys that, one of those stars, and there's only a few of them, that make the jump from being a great musician person in the 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s, and then they find a way to do a turnabout and get back in the business. You've seen a, a few different artists do that. Dolly Parton has always done that very well. Aerosmith made a big comeback and stayed back. And Tony had a big, huge hit in 62, I believe, with I Left My Heart in San Francisco. And it, it was a big hit. And he was a Vegas guy and a, and a kind of a lounge singer guy and a, and a well-known person until the, 
you know, the Beatles, 62 was right before the Beatles. So 1962, he has this big hit and everybody sings, I left my heart in San Francisco. But he then kind of just faded out as rock and roll came in and, and that it, it made it hard for all of those kind of crooner singers to find a place once rock and roll came into the scene in the, in the 60s and took it over. But he had a complete comeback in the 1980s and 90s, putting out gold records again and reaching out to, at the time, the MTV uh, generation. And then what really kind of solidified his his hold back in the current landscape was the, the work that he did with Lady Gaga, which actually benefited both of them because Tony was kind of a known as a kind of an older kind of singer guy singing the classics and Lady Gaga was known for what Lady Gaga is known for. But then people began to realize that number one, uh, she could sing like really sing and she could sing classics and those albums they did together, they did a couple and they both did very good on the, on the album charts. And uh, Tony Bennett also broke a Guinness World Record for the oldest person to release an album of new material at age 95 and 60 days. So just last year, he released an album. Uh, what, what, a, what a legacy. And boy, I hope I'm releasing albums to the, to the day I die, to the day I pass off this earth. There's stuff going out, videos going out, and music going out. So very impressive that he was able to really revive a career late in life, and uh, a few people have done that. Sad news, but uh, he's lived a long life. At not, when I hear that people have died at 96, I think, wow, they they had a pretty good life and a pretty long life. And so uh, the next thing I want to talk about is for our anniversary week, I have updated the 50 Ways to Make Music Income ebook, and it is now on version three. Uh, it has more than 50 things now. And if you are wanting to just try to figure out what am I going to do to make music income? I have certain kinds of music interests. What will I do? What what things can I do? Well, this new ebook is totally free. You can just go to our site and download it. It's a book that I have had out for quite a while. This is the second time I've updated it. So uh, you can get 50 ways to make music income and you can find that at makemusicincome.com slash free. It's free for you. So if you're watching us for the first time and you haven't downloaded that, or if you have downloaded it, you can go get a new free version of it. All right. I have more news. Something new that happened this week is threads, a new way to share text or, in other words, a complete Twitter ripoff, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I'd love your comments on this and what you feel about this. If you feel that this is good, if this is bad, if if you're using threads, if you're on threads, I jumped right on it because I'm not a big Twitter fan, but I am an Instagram fan and my hopes are that this will allow me, threads will allow me to integrate my Instagram, integrate Facebook, and then integrate with some kind of Twitter type thing like this with threads. So uh, I, I'm trying it and we'll see. It's a little early. It was kind of rushed out, but it's new and it's, it's in its infancy. But hopefully this will be something that could help us get the word out about things and be a 
Twitter that's not quite so political. There's a lot of weird stuff on, on Twitter. I hope this one stays a little bit cleaner. That's what I've always liked about Instagram is how clean of a, of a social media it is. Let me know in the comments if you are in threads yet or if you even know what threads is, if you've even heard about it. But it's basically the new social media platform. Let me tell you this just a little stat about threads. Uh, Twitter has between 200 and 400 million users. Threads rolled out two weeks ago. It has over 100 million users now. So uh, that's the power of a company like Meta putting this thing out. All right, uh, the next thing I want to share with you is I want to talk about the 10-song, 10-week composer's mastermind we have coming up here. Folks, we are getting to the end of the early bird price and really about to close this up because we have just about gotten everybody we need for this composer's mastermind. I might have room for one or two other people, other composers. What we're going to be doing in this is is really unique. We're going to be using the first week to really try to find out what what kind of album you might want to make. And once you make that album, what you can do with it, but Every week of the 10 weeks, our goal is to push and encourage and maybe facilitate helping you make a 10-song record that you can then take and pitch to any kind of library you want, put up on Spotify. One of the biggest problems I find that most people have is the fact that they just don't have enough songs. They have five or 10 I've had, I'm going to answer a question here in a minute where someone person talks about one song that they have. You know, you've got, I talk about this all the time. In order to make music income, you've got to have lots of things going on. And, and that starts with songs. You've got to have a lot of songs. And so our goal here with this 10 week, 10 song composer's mastermind is to really get you composing, really get you cranking out some stuff for streaming, shopping libraries, selling on sheet music, licensing on gaming sites, licenses, beats, whatever it is that you want to make music income with, let's help you put together a, a cohesive set of songs because it seems in our last masterminds that we were all over the place. We were just, and purposely really, we were all over the place with our masterminds and with our songs. But this is going to be a little bit more focused and would love for you to be part of this 10 song mastermind. It's not too late. You can get the uh, little cheaper price if you want to, and you can find that and you can get the early bird price still, but you really need to email me at hellocomposers at gmail.com or go to hellocomposers.com slash mastermind. And even those of you listening to the podcast on Monday, it will not be too late to go to hellocomposers.com slash mastermind and get part of things. Okay. Well, I don't have a, uh, a cute song for this, and, and I plan to, but I want to introduce a brand new part of the podcast that we're doing this week, and this is brand new, and I like to call it Viewer Mail. And just imagine I have a little jingle that goes, answering your questions on Viewer Mail. I just ran out of time this morning. I didn't have time to make that, but I will be making a jingle for viewer mail. So I'm very excited about it. All right. So this is actually something that I'm quite serious about. I want to answer a question every week. This is a question I got on YouTube this week and I just got it yesterday. And I thought, you know what? I could write this guy back a long message about this, but I decided instead 
to answer it here because I think this is a common misconception from composers when they are applying to Motion Array or almost any music library. And well, let's just read this email and I'll let you know kind of what he said. And he said, I decided to try Motion Array since you endorsed them as a good means of income. Two months later, and I have yet still to hear if my first track is approved. Many of you are already going nodding and understanding this frustration. Plus, I see you only get five free submissions. This is where it goes off the rails a little bit, which leads me to believe that they will charge for additional submissions. Yet, I haven't found on their site what, that, what fee they charge. Then I go to Pond 5 and see a category and I write and I see 900,000 tracks already in place. I'm just a needle in a haystack there. I'm finding it hard to believe that anyone could be successful with those odds. I'm really having to step back and evaluate how to proceed. All of Hollywood being on strike is not helping matters either. Okay, thank you very much for this. And I, I appreciate all the comments on the YouTube site and I try to answer them all personally. Um, the only things I don't answer is if someone says says yes to something. I don't like write. I only write a reply back to questions usually. But Motion Array. Let's get Motion Array down first. But the answer to this viewer mail. First of all, let's talk about Motion Array. You do not and should not upload one song to them. They want five songs to see what you are going to do. I don't think they are going to get back to you if you only upload one song because their directions are very clear. Upload five songs so that we can get an idea of your quality. Now, I don't have their site here, and but those of you who are in Motion Array, uh, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I really feel like this is, um, this is where I kind of see uh, this falling down. And so uh, I am going to try to address this, but you know what? I think there is someone that could maybe help me uh, decode this viewer email and, and just give us a little bit of insight and also maybe help us celebrate our two-year anniversary here on Make Music Income. And that person's name is Mr. Stevie B. Ladies and gentlemen, I need applause. Do I have an applause uh, thing? I'm, I'm using, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I don't really have applause. I have theme for <laughs> Stevie B, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, good to have Stevie B. Surprise guest host here today. So, uh, Steve, I don't know if you just heard the viewer mail I was talking about where the guy was talking about he was trying to decide to um, try Motion Array and he put a song up yeah. and hasn't heard back for two months. One song. And then he was like, well, this leads me to believe they're going to charge for future submissions mm. and I don't know what fee that is. And then he also said... He wanted to go to Pond 5, but then he sees there's 900,000 tracks already in place, and he's just a needle in a haystack, finding it hard that anyone could be successful with this. And, uh, and, and then mention the Hollywood strike, as if that has anything to do with stock music. But let's talk mm -hmm. about the first thing in which I just said, which was you really need to upload five songs. I believe that's in the directions, is it not? Well, for Motion Array, I think you have to. I don't think you can yeah. you can submit with less than five songs. I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I applied. I think the rules have changed a little bit. But um, yeah, Motion Array, I, I would be shocked if they started 
charging for submissions. It would be a hilarious way for them to make a, a few extra bucks. But I don't think they need those extra bucks. I think they're doing fine with their subscription model pricing. I think the company's yeah. in good shape. Uh, I would be pretty shocked if they started uh, um, charging, but it would certainly cut down on the amount of uh, applications they got. Yeah, that's true. I, th I think they seem to be able. They seem to be managing it. I mean, it's a small team, right? That's doing all of these mm -hmm. these submission reviews, but it is in their best interest to dig through those submissions and find great. Uh, uh, artists and and producers because that's where they um, are able to distinguish their brand and their and their business from from other library sites. You know they have great music on. There's a lot of very talented producers who uh, send them music regularly, and um, that's why they're doing well. You know because the because at the end of the day, it's it's the curation team that um, that that really dictates the the quality of, of the marketplace and and i mean it's over at artlist and they they've put a lot of effort into um curating that music properly and and distinguishing their music selection from other libraries and that's why they've done well so got to keep that in mind yeah, if you if you really want to be denied quick apply to artlist they'll get back to you with a no in a day um you know versus motion array but it, them taking two months to get back to you is uh, at your first application is not new it did they did that i i waited two months to hear back and i uploaded five songs but uh so two months is not the problem the problem here is one track you don't upload one track and see if it's approved and then upload another track and see if it's approved. You upload five to see if they approve you as an artist. And then after they approve you as an artist, they then you can start uploading tracks one by one. And there is no fee and there never has been a fee as far as I know. So that is one thing I wanted to say. Um, the other thing I want to say about Pond, about Motion Array is that they they get tons of submissions. I mean, so many you would probably not even understand. And remember that 20, music is only 20% of what they do yeah. there. Yeah. There are so many submissions and so many other things, video and photos and templates and all these kind of things. So they don't charge. But yes, guess what? We are all needles in a haystack in this, folks. We are all needles. in a, We're actually needles in a needle stack. Uh, in needle drop, you might say. Well, I'll tell but, you something interesting about Motion Array for those folks that are listening. Um, you, at this point, I think it's it requires that you, uh, in order to get uh, some some traction there. That I think you know because of the volume of submissions, you are probably going to need the help of a staff pick. So, <clears throat> uh, you know these these guys are going to listen to. The submissions they're gonna they're gonna hear your music they're gonna really like it and they're gonna say okay let's make this a staff pick you might get um a, some traction with that um and once your music does really well on the site there is i think this perception that it gets lost in um in in the library at some point once it stops kind of like trending uh but i'll tell you what i've uploaded i think three tracks to motion array this year um and i'm still making over 500 dollars a month yeah. so the tracks that have done well for me last year are still doing well because they rank high in the searches so when people look for a sp specific thing um the the tracks that have been downloaded and uh, the most and are the most popular on the site still come up 
algorithmically high in the searches, which means that I still make money. So um, keep that in mind. So Gary, thank you for being here. Gary is the person who asked the question on YouTube. And uh, yeah, it it uh, this isn't the first time I've heard of someone uh, submitting one song and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It's a it's it's something that I have heard um, a lot about. But here's one thing that you can do, and I'm just putting his comments up here so people can read them. Um, he says I'll double check it. I want to submit more, but they wanted BPM and a few other song information I didn't know, so he only went with one song. Um, these, this is one of those things that you have to be very careful about. It's kind of like when you submit for, to a, an exclusive library and you, you're giving them that first submission. This is an important step. This is, an, this is a crucial step. It's kind of like your audition to this, to this company. And so these five songs not only have to be great, but they have to be very high quality because you, you, you don't only get one chance. You, you can possibly reapply it, it i think there's a six month waiting period if, i think if they um, say no but here's another thing you can do gary you can email them at um is it info at motion com or something like that there's a there's an email on there on their site and you can email them and they will get back to you and say hey i uploaded one song and I haven't heard back should I go ahead and upload all five so that you can know exactly what I'm doing and uh, likely they will get back to you and say yes that would be great but don't don't fret that you are waiting two months and haven't heard because basically I don't know how long did it take you to hear back at first from motion right do you remember Steve it's I, been a long time it's been a long time I think I heard back from them fairly quickly but keep in mind that the company was totally different at the time that I applied it yeah. was it hadn't been uh, it hadn't been acquired by Artlist at the time yeah it, it took at least two months with me so Gary says okay I am okay with waiting I'm just unclear with the process I'll delete the submission and resubmit with five I would yeah that I might, definitely be, would that might that. be the right move yeah um, so yeah uh, that's a great it's a great question um, remember though that motion array is mainly its audience is mainly, and not only, but mainly people who are looking for songs for YouTube, looking for songs to put in their videos that they're editing and putting for, uh, into songs uh, for presentations and things like that. I doubt that Motion Array has has much relation to the um, to the Hollywood strike right now. I mean, I got, there could be some, but I think the majority of people using Motion Array are not involved uh, in that. Yeah. Well, majority. I, I, I don't think so. I think maybe if anything, the, you know, content creators and people creating, you know, YouTube content is, is going to become more precious than ever with the Hollywood strike. I mean, we have no idea how long this is going to go on. Yeah. It, could, it could happen. It could go on for years. Um, and so, well, you know, in that, in the meantime, it's like, what are people going to turn to? They're going to turn to streaming and content creators for their entertainment. Yeah. All the stock stuff could could be used more and more. So if you got like actors, if you have a, a good video clips, it might be the time to really be getting them up there. Because this might, there be might be a good time to of... get on YouTube for potential <laughs> YouTubers out there. By the way, happy uh, two year anniversary. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I'm so happy that you're able to join me. Everybody's like, what, what happened at the first year podcast? And that was half 
um, pressing the wrong button, and half oh. uh, <laughs> kind of I'm... hoping that Steve was going to jump into this today and be able to join us here for a little bit. Because this thing that we're going to talk about next is basically what you and I have been going back and forth on since the beginning of this podcast and since we've known each other, and that is talking about not just calling non-exclusive music stock music. You know, we, we, we got into this because it was a hot topic, a hot button topic when we got both got into YouTubing and you got into it before I did, but after Daniel did, you know, and after other people, mm -hmm. I think you were after Daniel, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so he had already kind of defined the music uh, and I'm talking about Daniel Carzales of stock music license, the, the godfather we call him, uh, you know, the, the the guy, the man who started it all, you know, and he is still uh, putting out good content on uh, on his channel. Yeah. And um, but, you know, he he cared enough to to really talk about stock music licensing and, and really uh, show people like Steve and I that it could be an income stream. And many other people, I'm sure there are uh, people in these comments who have um, who have, uh, you know, been in part of this and uh so and i just want to reply to gary saying that he already had music placed on tv he's hoping motion ray will be another source and it can be it definitely can be gary so thank you so much for your comment i appreciate that so um stock music has been uh the one of the tent poles of this channel i mean i start it was the second thing i talked about in my very first video and it's probably one of the things steve and i have talked about as much we've talked into the ground kind of <laughs> a little bit but um the reports of its demise have been greatly exaggerated and i think to be honest with you just like steve just said he's still making 500 dollars a month with with motion array even today and, and, when when everyone is saying that it's dead and that's not including the content id i'm getting every month too which yeah. which fluctuates you know from Anywhere from like, you know, I don't know, right now, 80 to $200 a month or something like that on top of that. So um, I'll tell you this, my income is has leveled off since last year. Remember last year at the beginning of the year, Motion Array changed the way they paid people. So I went, I took a, da a bit of a dive with Motion Array income personally. Unlike Stevie, my average right now is is getting up to about a hundred um, a month, which is not bad. But uh, I, I'm more of a genre producer, so I'm I'm making more off the beaten path things. But Gary, this is a an example. Uh, one way to not be a needle in a haystack is do music that people are looking for specifically for certain things, and not just more pop music, not just more um, cool sounding corporate music, but genres like classical or patriotic or jazz or bluegrass or you know things that people go looking for especially for holidays man i do so good on holidays and mm -hmm. the fourth of july was and uh veterans day and memorial day i do great on flag day i do great on all the patriotic days uh, or better i should say i don't uh, i wouldn't say great but i i've leveled off uh, it looks like it's going to be the same as last year which is not a day. I don't think I'm going to go down the everything besides um, and including motion array is going to be about the same. It looks like so far after a half a year as last year. So I'm thinking for me, at least it's leveled off to a consistency. What do you think? You had a big year last year. So it's yeah, last year was a big year. I, I, I mean, the my download 
The downloads from my non-exclusive catalog on Artlist this year have been the best I've ever had. So um, if if all goes well, the payout for that at the end of this year will will be like a will be record breaking, uh, hopefully. So um, it's it's hard for me to sort of uh, say what the, the average will be at this point, but um, Motion Array has certainly been less because I've I've hardly sent them any music, um, but uh, hopefully you know I'll get a, a few a great months on Motion Array and that'll kind of balance things out too. And this year could well very well be like my my best year yet. It's 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 hard to say, but yeah, downloads on Artlist uh, have been through the roof. There's been a couple of tracks that did really really well. And they're still doing well. And Artlist is, um, it, it owns Motion Array, but it's different. And Artlist uh, is not exclusive, but they do dabble on television, right? They, they yeah. are putting stuff in TV shows. Yeah, more and more. Actually, I just had a, I was having a conversation with somebody on Instagram the other day, and he's, he's finding tons of placements on Toonsat uh, from his Artlist catalog. And, uh, and I've noticed that uh, my yeah my originals stuff is is showing up in my PRO backend now, so they've mm-hmm. registered all of that, and uh, yeah. so it's, it's showing up in my SoCan catalog. I haven't collected any PRO um, checks uh, from Artlist's behalf yet, but uh, as you know, it just takes a long time for those things to to turn around. But uh, you yeah. know, every every quarter I make a little bit from my PRO, uh, but um, hopefully that'll keep hopefully that'll get better. I mean. It, the jury's still out on whether the Toonsat placements really mean anything. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if cue uh, sheets are getting filed all the time, but uh, you know they are. The, the tracks are showing up on on television, and uh, I've, I've definitely spoken to a few artists who's who've reported you know quite a bit of placements from their artless catalog. So it's interesting to see that. Arco has a cool, an interesting comment here. Do you think Motion Array would get their own content ID system like Artlist in the future? Yeah. Would there be an upside or downside to that? I'm I'm predicting that they will, but I'm not sure when they'll when they'll put that in place. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they if they they did something like that. It's just such a huge revenue stream for them to collect at the end of the day. So I, and it's it's actually they're they're one of the few libraries, the few stock libraries that allow you to. Um, to register your music with a third-party content ID system like Identify. Um, a lot of libraries like I think um, Storyblocks or one of the other big ones that you know they have their own content ID systems and they collect that revenue that's part of their that's part of their business model. So I've always been surprised that Motionray hasn't put that in place, but it may just be that 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 is just too much extra work for them to to handle for their team and so who knows yeah. really but i wouldn't be surprised if they if they did it in the future so i wanted to move on here and talk uh just one last time about stock music because i mean i think stock music is the right term for what it is and i mean when we think about stock photos we don't think of that derogatory. We don't think of that as like derogatory. Like if I want to, if I need a photo or a video, a piece of stock video for a video that I'm making, which I made a, a big video this week that I had to have a lot of stock videos for. Yeah, that's a perfect name. I go to a place that has stock videos. It's a stock site. It's a site with stuff in stock. The picture of this thumbnail was everything out of stock. You know, I'm not moving out of stock, but I do want to quit. Um, and here's the funny part. Even though we have th- talked about wanting to change it from being a stock, uh, calling it stock music, 
they all still call it stock music. Um, I just, before this podcast, I went online, Pond5, they refer to themselves as stock music. Motion Array refers to themselves as the stock music. Motion Array, uh, Audio Jungle, Artlist, Music Bed refers to themselves as stock music. Premium Beat refers to themselves as stock music. So does Epidemic Sound. So does Soundstripe. So does Shutterstock, which Shutterstock, it's in its name, so it's going to say stock. But so does Triple Scoop, which I thought was an exclusive library, and apparently they still consider them, they still talk about being a stock music provider. And even Audio Socket, who I've talked to before, or I've seen videos for before, and they're talking about really wanting to be in film, and yet they still mention themselves as a stock music. So stock music is the right term, but what I'm trying to get to, and as I was making the video the other day talking about not sync licensing and production music for film and television, but music for just about everything else, which is a big section, to me, I'm going to be calling it non-exclusive music licensing because that's really what Motion Array, Artlist, all those are. And because it is, you can do so many other things and not just one music income. And so I think it's important to kind of like have a section, like my tent poles have always been uh, exclusive licensing, stock music license or sync licensing, stock music licensing. And even sync licensing really has a bunch of other names to it, production music, trailer music, different things, exclusive music, things like that. And now this other section is just non-exclusive music income because it goes <laughs> more than just stock music. And, and I guess I, I might still say, I would say music for, I call non-exclusive music for music libraries that put music into uh, of YouTube and presentations and many other uses. And I, I think there's way more uses than we even think of for stock music. It's funny. I've like, it's fun. You're totally right about there not being this weird negative, almost strange connotation when you talk about like video or, or photos, but it, I've always struggled with the word stock when it, when it's applied to music for some reason. And, and it's, um, it's no offense to, you know, to Daniel or anything like that. I mean, like, I, I totally get it. It is what it is, but it's, I've always preferred using like an alternate term. Like that's why I, I called my Academy, the production music Academy, because I want to, um, you know, well, first of all, I want to kind of encompass all of sync music, which is, you know, it can be music for scoring for film. It can be sync licensing. It could be royalty free, um, and everything. So I just put it on under the umbrella of production music, but some somehow I think it's it's been tough for me mentally to sort of disassociate stock music from like the um, like the happy clappy uh, sort of uh, like audio jungle type tracks um, mm -hmm. and the more sophisticated like type of production that would be required to be on like you know mid tier uh, libraries. So like it's tough to think of artlist as like stock music even though i guess technically it is it's it just does it the word stock doesn't do it justice for me somehow so i like yeah. i like the idea of calling it non-exclusive uh licensing because it's i mean i mean it's a bit more technical and and, and more specific but um yeah, yeah i don't I know non-exclusive non-exclusive music licensing for YouTube um, presentations and other uses, I think is better than calling it just stock music. And I, I, I agree, stock, and I think it's because, like you said, the happy clappy, and then going back to the lower 
quality music that was going on in the mid-teens on these libraries. Uh, it really gave the the term stock music a bad name. I think so. I think it did, yeah. I, I, that's exactly what I'm, I'm saying. I and, agree. And now it's a, just a higher quality beast. And so we have to give it the same respect as anyone who is creating exclusive music for sync libraries. I think that is the same quality that has to go in these non-exclusive music libraries. And that's why I, I don't ever, you know, you, there was always a little bit of, oh, you're a stock music license, uh, producer, you know, and, and that that did feel a little bit like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter if I make a lot of money on it or just a little bit of money on it. Still, that doesn't demean me because I, I create for these non-exclusive libraries. So I've just, as I was creating that video, I really just started to realize, you know, and Steve has been arguing this for years, so I'll just give him all the credit. But, you know, I, I just said, from now on, I think I'm just gonna call this non-exclusive music libraries rather than stock music libraries. They can call it whatever they want on their libraries, but I want every composer. But the important part, every composer has to be composing with quality, and we have to continue improving our quality like you help people do in your production music academy. And that kind of thing has to happen. And those, man, you, your broadcast where people are showing off their stuff, that any of that stuff could be in TV shows. It could be in anything because it's just very, very high quality, and that's a testament to your, your academy. Thanks. So, um, so, yeah, just one it's it's stock music though or non-exclusive music libraries are just one of the places that you can you can sell your non-exclusive music you know i i'm getting i've i'm talking right now with uh clint of clint music to talk about beats yeah and i'm also i'm also uh swinging for the fences for another guy who talks about beats who has a great big channel yeah and you know us tiny youtubers it's sometimes hard to get those big youtubers to to talk but i'm hoping they will and get a few people that can really talk to me about beats and income for beats and uh that's that's a it's a thing I, and it's a thing where people are making money on it i have yeah i don't know if, um if you want to someone messaged me on instagram the, the, i haven't responded yet because i'm not totally sure what to make of it but i thought i would throw this question out there i would say who it is in case they don't want me to say your name but uh can i read this question i want i want your yeah. thoughts on it Go ahead. Um, so he says, I've been thinking about getting into sync licensing and I just watched one of your videos on YouTube and had a few questions. I've been producing full time for a few years now, selling beats to artists on BeatStars and through Instagram. And I'm looking for more ways to make money. And I have always been interested in sync, but never really started. I guess my questions are, how can I find non-exclusive libraries that are professional slash a good starting point? And also wondering, since I have a huge catalog of beats already, would I be able to take some and restructure them for sync placements and use them like that uh, while still selling the original beats that are on my BeatStars account? I feel like I've gotten that same message a few times. Yeah, that's an it's <laughs> a, know, it's a kind of interesting one. Yeah, I, I, well, and I and that's the that's the thing. I think that beats. You know, the, a lot of people may not even be familiar with what a beat is. Clint and I talked about this in our first video. I asked him. I said, "Dude, what can you just define a beat?" Because what I think about it as a beat, and and what you know, and it, when I started teaching at this school, everybody's all these kids coming in. I, I like to make beats. I like to make beats. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, define what a beat is. You know, it's a song, doesn't have any words on it, and it's just a uh, you know fully made. I'm like, so it's a track. So we're talking about an instrumental track, basically, 
which is exactly most of the time what we are uploading to uh, non-exclusive music libraries. And so uh, I, I don't see any reason they can't. And the problem, I think there's a content ID issue that I want to get into with someone who knows something about beats. Since these beats are uh, being used in songs that then become songs used by artists that then put their videos on content ID and or other places where it's heard. And how does that, I, I guess it kind of works the same way as non-exclusive libraries that put stuff on content ID. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I have, I have like conflicting thoughts with beats because like a lot of the beats that I've heard, like uh, I've, and they're, they're really, they're tailor made for, for rappers to, you know, I mean, that's what they're for. That's for people to rap over and rappers buy them and they, you know, they, or they can license them or whatever. There's different mm -hmm. models for, for mm -hmm. the purchase from beat stars. But, um, essentially like what I've heard from like the, the beat universe is that like, they're, they're very stripped back. They're very like minimalist. It's essentially like, you know, a trap beat with like a, like, you know, sort of a, a like a little loop underneath mm -hmm. it. And, um, I'm not sure if that's going to cut it for some of the libraries that you that, say you mean uh quality wise it's not it's not that it's bad quality it's it serves it's a purpose that's different than than what we're doing with like some of these music libraries it's like the quality um like I, the, the the guy who sent me this message like i was i was listening to some of his beats he posted some of them on instagram and they're great i mean like you know if i was a rapper i'd be like this is perfect um but that's not exactly what we're doing for with with like with like motion array and art list and and, and right because it's, those are kind of underscores for 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 video sometimes dialogue but I feel like the the beats are they're they're an extra step of minimalism and they're like they're really stripped back there's really nothing to it and 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 from what i understand it's like you know i see a lot of beat makers on youtube being like i made 10 beats in a day it's like dude i couldn't i couldn't make I couldn't make 10 tracks in a day. Sometimes the tracks take me three days well, to, to write. But that's because the beats, they probably were just pulling in loops and and just making some beats. I, I watch these people make these, and they're making them with logic loops and, and, and previously made things. Right. And that's where we get into the whole sample issues and all that kind of stuff. And I've heard students argue just this week about it's okay to use samples because you know some somebody else used it and who cares if they sue you and all this kind of craziness that is in the beat society and so that's why i really want to get a beat maker or a beat uh influencer a beat um thought leader in here on the channel and really talk about beats she get uh shit up dj Payne. That's who I want to swing for. Yeah, he's, I, he's, he's the him. best. He is the man. He's the man. And so I'm going to see if I can get him on here. But I think beats is a is obviously a thing people are doing. And I think if I even if you talk to someone like that or like Clint who puts stuff in beats, they're going to tell you that it's not just hip hop. There's there's some other uh, non hip hop things that are in those beats categories that sometimes people use, and then they add hip hop beats too. So it, right. jazz and th different things like that that they can. Uh, that they're looking for. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm probably generalizing my uh, a, a bit. You know, my perception of it is, uh, is very limited. But I just, I bet it's. Yeah, I bet you're not that much. I mean, I'm sure it's it's heavily, uh, heavily balanced towards hip hop and uh, type of sounds on beat beat stars. Yeah, I would just imagine that it is. But that's just one category of non-exclusive music income that we can talk about. We've talked about gaming so much, and Stephen Malin is the man on this subject. And, uh, you know, this is 
another area that I haven't really gotten into. If anybody in here has gotten into gaming things, and I know I have a lot of cross people who follow Steve's channel and follow my channel and your channel, and um, you know that this is another uh, unique type of music to do. And uh, so I think this this falls into non-exclusive music incomes. And the reason I love non-exclusive music income so much is you can do it all. You can do all of these things. And I think this is, we've, we've talked about that before, I think on future, on past shows the, I think it was called the case for non-exclusive or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, gaming is just another one of those things that I think, uh, I'm not going to go too far into it here today, but I, I do think it, I know a lot of people who are doing that and they are making as much as people make in, um, you know, these so-called stock libraries like pond five and, and motion array but um i've seen a few people uh setting up game music stores like on on their own like they have like separate websites they're not selling it on uh game dev market or anything like that it's like it's just a Mm -hmm. it's just a business website with you know these are these are folks that have written like a ton of of material and they have like playlists and it comes with like art and stuff like that and they have all of these alternate mixes and everything and i th- and then from what i understand like you can do pretty well in it but it's it's definitely like a bit of a hustle to to set it up yeah. that way yeah. so that's a whole nother show talking about setting up your own site to sell stuff yeah uh, for sure that's yeah um the other thing for me and i don't know how many other people find this but i'm telling you i make hundreds if not i don't know if i've made a thousand in a year from song trader but there are other monetization things Right. Overhead music and getting your stuff, and they have ways to get onto story blocks if you're not in Content ID, or if you do Content ID through Song Trader, you can get they will they will let you do the story blocks thing and get you into story blocks if if that helps you or doesn't help you. So, uh, but I have I have had I, I just had a big month from Song Trader, a couple hundred bucks I think, um, nice. and so. Uh, it, it, it doesn't happen every month. Some months it's a few cents, but some months it's hundreds. And so, uh, this happens about twice a year with me on song trader, especially because of all the overhead deals I've been signed up in there. And anybody can sign up to these deals there. They, everyone looks at song trader as like a way to get into licensing and it could be, but I find that the real money comes from getting money from these little monetization options they have. And that is cool. All the beats you have, all the songs you have that you're putting in non-exclusive libraries they can all go in this and uh i think it's i think it's fantastic yeah that's pretty cool like you mentioned earlier content id is the next uh income stream this is more really of a royalty technically rather than being a uh a a library or something you get royalties from content id uh how'd you do on content id this last time for me i'll just tell you in a second here I um, was just looking at it the other day, and oh, I've noticed they changed their pl- uh, changed things around in the back end here a bit. Payment yep. summary. Um, let's see. Last April was eighty five fifty seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, March was one hundred sixty three. February. You should see May. May should be on there. Oh, really? No, not yet. Not for me. Hmm. No, not not yet. Yeah, January was one hundred seventy seven. February is 80. So it's not bad, right? But um, you got May already, huh? Identify. I, I'm, I thought we got May. 
I'm just trying to find out where identify is on my list here. In your bookmarks. <laughs> yeah, I have lost it. I'm just going to type it in because I had a rather big month because of one video. Um, one video scored huge for me mm. on Content ID, and it was, uh, uh, and I don't even think it's still up. But here's the big thing. You're right. I only got April. Mm. I'm I'm sorry. I did not May, but uh, still the number of claim videos keeps going up, which is a good sign. And then inside the claim videos, I had one. I don't know how this is the case, but it only got 40,000 views and uh, it made $246. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. They, I'm not sure how the intricacies of how they calculate things is probably a lot of different factors, but- uh, and, and it's- what, it How many claimed videos do you have? What, what's your April count? My April count is 77. 77 claimed videos? <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah. You You're live up in the hundreds, aren't you? No. How many do you have? 1,843. <laughs> you have 77 claimed videos? Yes, but you have you have way 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 more um more things that were that have been used. You have way more downloads on Motion Array. You like th like a thousand times more yeah, than I have. Yeah, but you you I think your your uh your net Hall from Content ID is is larger than mine, and you have like yeah. a fraction of the claim videos. That's crazy. Just goes to show that it's really like it's very random. You know, you get it's one you get one good placement on one good video, and could be like an a lot of money. But folks, all royalties are random. Your BMI checks, yeah, you'll yeah. just be like, what in the world is is having that come on? Um, so yeah, that that is one, and then I'm going to get to Q and A here in just a, a minute, folks. So if you have some questions, we're gonna we're gonna call it here soon. And Stevie is a busy man and has to has to be moving on here. So, um, but you know, I think non-exclusive and exclusive are about on the same quality level these days. We've got to be uh, being careful about making sure that we are putting out the highest quality stuff. Stock is no longer, non-exclusive libraries are no longer, I'm going to have to retrain myself. Non-exclusive libraries are no longer a place where you can just put any old thing that any other beat or, or little thing that you made and put it up there. It's everything has to be the same quality. The stuff that you would send to an exclusive library, a lot of times the stuff I pitch to exclusive don't get taken. So I put them in non-exclusive libraries and and then they end up making me money. And, and I do the same thing with my personal music that I don't put on exclusive libraries. I put those on non-exclusive libraries and boom, I get 50 bucks here, 40 bucks here for sales. And so, um, and of course I wanna mention Crucial Music, which is a non-exclusive film and television library. So um, I did a whole video on them. And if you need to look that up, you can find that in our videos. Crucial Music is a, a cool company to work with, but very, very, particular on what they take. Mm. So yeah, I, that's really why I wanted, there's two reasons, of course, I wanted Steve to pop in if pof, possible today. Number one is to kind of celebrate the two year anniversary of the of the channel because not many, you may or may not know, I mentioned it a lot, but Steve is responsible in some ways for me even being on the camera because I, that first video I made, Six Ways to Make Music Income, I showed myself in a video, but I didn't talk on the camera. And after that, Steve was like, dude, you've got to talk on the camera. You've got to, you've got to talk. And so now 
I mean, I don't know why there would, there would ever be any doubt about your ability to talk on, on camera. Well, imagine. you know, you just don't want, you know, it's, it's, unco- it's not that it's so comfortable. I, I get, I get the discomfort. And, uh, I get the discomfort factor. There was, it took me a long time to, to, to get my, wrap my head around that when I started YouTube as well. So I totally understand. I can talk, but do you want to really look at this face? Who wouldn't want to look at that beautiful face? <laughs> Right. That's what the, the hats. <laughs> anyway, his hat over um, his eyes. <laughs> so uh, let's do a little Q&A here real quick, and then we're going to end the program. Uh, I have a Facebook user. All right. Finally, a Facebook oh, person. There you go. I'm, I, I've been trying to stream to Facebook and to um, LinkedIn and haven't seen any LinkedIn. I think we saw a LinkedIn user a few weeks ago. You're but, streaming to LinkedIn? Uh, I don't even know you can yeah, do that. Uh, I didn't either. Do you find that presenting these live, these uh these podcasts, I guess he's talking about live has advantage over producing them offline than making it available on demand. I'm just trying to justify the hassle and inherent imperfections of live streaming versus recording with a live audience and doing post-production prior to release. What does being streamed live do that is preferable? And it's what you just said in the sentence before limited or no Mm post-production. I mean, Steve and I both do live streams for different things. He does them for his, uh, production Academy a lot. I do them for my podcast now, but the main reason is time. There's a reason you haven't seen Steve on the podcast for a bit because he's been doing this thing called work. Um, and you know, we both are trying to figure out how to continue to incorporate YouTube and into our, into our channels, but gosh, we are just trying to do so many things. Well, see, I, I like, I'm just not, um, I'm not great at speaking off the top of my head, not not nearly as as uh, as talented as you are. And for me to do a live stream and just kind of and kind of talk, I you know I, I get a little bit flustered doing that. So it's it's not. I I prefer to release content as edited, you know. Um, but yeah, the the sad reality is is that it's just incredibly time consuming to do that, and that's why I've been kind of absent from YouTube as of late. And I've been trying to figure out ways to. Um, yeah to get around that problem because i still want to be active but yeah like you know i might have to just embrace the imperfections of it more and 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 look at doing like a weekly live stream like like similar to what you're doing but man time is time is a it's hard it's hard man it's It's really hard you know what It, it it takes several hours of preparation to do this show yeah exactly. i have to write the script and the outline and i have yeah. to get all the you know you see all these little fancy banners and stuff like that but i have to get them all ready uh, ahead of time and i have to have my uh thing written but i will say um I, to answer the question in the comment <clears throat> one thing i am seeing is that by doing this and then by using some of this information as shorts and just re-editing those up real quick, which I have a kind of fast way to do, it, it's it's not hurting the channel. The channel is still growing. The channel is still, it took a dip, but it wasn't because of this. I don't know what it was. I think it was because of the summer. I think people get away from YouTube during totally. the summer or yeah, something. Yeah, there's definitely a dip. But it it's on the rise with, and I've been committing to shorts a little bit, just, and, and not really, a few new shorts, shorts I just think of doing, but, uh, voiceover shorts with some pictures and the stuff, but mostly just from these podcasts. You know, I pick things from Steve and I. We've done put plenty of shorts that way. Dave and I've done some of that with Dave and I have been in, and I've done just ones of me answering questions like this. Yeah. So yeah, I think this has a lot of advantages 
overproducing offline because I'm telling you, I spent at least four days editing that video that I put out this week. It's a killer video and it's getting, it's doing very well. And edited videos do better. They do, edited, yeah. Edited 10 to 20 minute videos do way better than non-edited one hour plus videos. Yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. The, but this is for my audience. This is for the people who are co-hosting with me. In many weeks, I don't have a co-host and the co-host is Bradford Knights and Arco and uh, all the other people who who come in here. And speaking of Bradford Knights, he has a question. I have music on all streaming services and register them on BMI and the MLC. Is the MLC a content ID service? No, it is not. Should I be signing up for an ID service additionally? Yes, the MLC only collects uh, mechanical royalties. That's why it's called the Mechanical Licensing Collective. And they only collect mechanical licensing from streaming. From you from Spotify only, not YouTube. Maybe YouTube Music, but not YouTube videos. So content ID is additional. It's a different. It's an. It's like you need to be signed up for BMI. You need to be signed up for Sound Exchange in case your music's on Pandora and it's on uh, SiriusXM especially. And then you need to be signed up for uh, the MLC and you need to be signed up for content ID. And you. I mean, I'm not saying BMI. So you need to be signed up for your. PRO in your country. But those are the four. You really have to be signed up to the all the the MLC I think is only a United States thing. I think so. So yeah. you don't have to be signed up to that. But content ideas worldwide, um your PRO is gonna, you know, uh, collect worldwide. You're gonna get a lot of stuff from everywhere. Yeah, my, my PRO is actually collecting mechanical royalties now, I think, or something like that. Or they've been trying to reinstate that uh over the last couple of years, so I absolutely do. Um, um, I, I say identify for sure. Um, you want to be on identify, um, Bradford. I, I, I just think they do it right. I know that Song Trader offers um, this service. I know all the distributors offer a content ID collection service, but I have to think that one company that's only focus. Now, if identify ever comes up and say, oh, now we're going to do um, you know, Twitter and we're going to do all these other things and, and we're going to do all these other things, then maybe I might have to change my mind, but they only focus on this only on content ID, just like, uh, ad rev does. Uh, there's a few others that do, but I'm, I'm very happy with a content ID. And I think you'd stay, say the same, right? Steve? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I think it's like, why, I mean, why would I trust a distributor to to collect when it's not really the, the prime like focus of their business, you know, identify does nothing but collect yeah. those, that revenue stream. And I think they, they work pretty hard to <laughs> dig through YouTube to find the usage. So, yeah. um, they've been done, I mean, done a much better job than I would have ever imagined. So I'm, I'm very happy with, with identify, but yeah, you gotta be careful with content ID. It's like you're, um, you're signing up to a three year, three year contract and, um, you're limited to where you could send content ID registered music in terms of the uh, the licensing market. So just be aware sure. of that. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Arco said something about crucial music. They take the only downside is they take three months to get back. That's not exactly true. Usually, it's about it, the longest I've seen is two months. And uh, now. They, I did just talk to Crucial Music last week. They have had three songs of mine that were all approved, and they're, they do something called checking rights holders, and they're checking, you know, to make sure that uh, it's all 
tied up because these all I think all three were public domain or at least two of them were, and they want to make sure that the people who own the uh, the the songs really do. So they check with BMI or, and they check with all the uh, PROs and make sure that the rights are all tied up. But um, I did call him, uh, sent him an email recently. He said, man, I am so sorry. We are backed up out the wazoo right now. And this is a company that only lets you submit three songs at a time. Uh, getting back to uh, Gary's question about Motion Array, hmm. uh, this this Crucial only lets you submit three songs at a time, and then you can't submit more until they have approved or un or disapproved the, those three songs. But uh, I like working with them so far. What I really love most, and you can see this in the, my video about them, is the fact that they let you uh, see where they're pitching your music, and I think that's really cool. So you can watch where that your is cool. So pitched. again, it's non non exclusive, correct? Absolutely yeah. non-exclusive. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? cool. And, and but their focus is film and TV, not not internet, right? Not uh, YouTube. So right. I think it's very unique. So well, folks, that's about all I have for today. Thanks everybody for being part of the broadcast. Uh, thanks so much for Mr. Stevie B for popping in today. So it's good to see you, my friend. Yeah, you too, buddy. And we we chat all the time and 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 talk about things, but he is just but just completely uh, buried by our <laughs> yeah. art list stuff, which is, hey, listen, that's the dream, right? Is to be buried with people who want to pay you to write music. I, so I can't complain. It's I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to be buried under the right kind of work, but uh, man, <laughs> it's been, it's been hectic. It's been hectic this oh, yeah. summer. We'll get him back from time to time here. I figured out. Arco is really impressed with your guns today. He wants to know if you joined a gym <laughs> no. because he says the guns <laughs> the guns are looking big uh, here today. Yeah, I don't think either of us is going to be really accused of the, the gym. Or I did actually find a <laughs> no, gym I did, last I week. I definitely not joined a gym. Well, I have a gym in my <laughs> building, but I don't go nearly as, as much as I should. <laughs> Uh, Bradford says the I guess the B in Stevie yeah. B is for buried. <laughs> Bradford, that is absolutely correct. So thanks to everybody who's been on here, the unnamed Facebook user. Thank you so much for being on here. XZ Zalman, thanks for being on here. How do you join Musicbed? Uh, you just go to musicbed.com. I don't know what they're. They don't accept. Think, uh, they don't accept submissions. They have a. Okay. They have like an AR and our team that goes out and looks for for artists. They have a. A team dedicated to that so you can't you can't submit or you can't send them unsolicited submissions there's another one called bed tracks and they opened it like every six months or something like that it e seems like if i remember bed tracks yeah but, oh no that's uh that's isn't bed tracks the the one i was telling you about the canadian one i don't know or, or was that something different I anyway, remember. I want to say thanks to Gary for your question. And thanks for being a good sport and let us talk about you in front of your back. Um, and Linda uh, Britton, thanks for being here today. Mark Rushton, as always, out there doing great work. And thanks for being here. Bruce Dana, thanks for being here. Everybody, thanks for being a co-host today on the show. Jonathan Carlisle, everybody. We're going to say hello and goodbye, composers and people out there. Thanks so much for watching us today. And we will see you guys next time. Yeah. The Make Music Income Podcast. See you guys. Thanks again. Take care. Yeah.